Yeah, I was talking about not really remembering what this this one is all about because there's so many like uh, Jewish holidays and festivals and things, which is awesome because like you're saying, God is a God of celebration. Like he really wants us to enjoy family, being a part of a kingdom here and now and forever. Oh yeah, and that's exactly it. You know, this festival is, it's the one just, you know, it's almost like a stepchild festival. And as Christians, we really don't understand this one. And the sad part is, you know what? This is such a cool festival. Now, I think well, it helps to be Jewish for this one because they literally just, not, I don't know what they're going to do now because they're on quarantine over there, but they dance in the streets. It's, I mean, it's just a serious uh, throwdown over there, and it has been that way for <laughs> thousands of years, you know? And so the question, though, is what are we celebrating? Because as Christians, if we're going to encounter Jesus on a daily basis, we got the whole purpose of these feasts is to, to understand what he did ahead of time so that we would have these encounters with him. So is there more to tabernacles and these what they call pilgrimage feasts or three of them? You started Passover and then Pentecost and this. And those are the ones you had to come to Jerusalem for. You had to come. Everybody had to gather for them. And that's, that's kind of unusual. So that's a tradition in itself. But if my theory is correct, that the spring and the fall feasts are connected and essentially celebrating the exact same things, Tabernacles should be a really good place to see this. So the counting of the Omer or days, if you go back to the spring to summer, it goes from Passover into spring to Pentecost, right? So you're at Passover in springtime, and you're headed to Pentecost in the summer. Those are the first two pilgrimage feasts, remember? And so you're counting 50 days. And it seems like a unique event celebrating and remembering the exodus from Egypt. This included seven days where you ate only unleavened bread. At the end of the long journey at Mount Sinai, they met with God, heard his voice. The elders ate with God on the mountain, and then they received the law. Well, technically, they received broken tablets because Moses threw them down. But at the end of the summer, those earlier feasts in the counting feels rather similar to the 50 days between the first day of the month of Elul, when the king is in the field to walk with you and meet with you, sounds a lot like the counting of the Omer time. And you hear his voice like the sound of a trumpet every day, also very similar. And even more so on Rosh Hashanah with a hundred blasts. So now you're really, really, really hearing his voice. And Moses literally is doing the exact same things. He's up on the mountain, and on the 40th day, Yom Kippur, Moses comes down the mountain with a new set of tablets. Doesn't break this one, so he's already doing better. And on that same day, a goat goes up all of it and disappears in the same place that Jesus ascended on that 40th day back in the early part of the summer. Hmm. So at Tabernacles, we gather to celebrate and eat in God's presence for an entire week. But instead of unleavened bread and being in a hurry, it's fruit. It's worship. And it's at the end of a harvest. And what did Jesus die for? To bring in the harvest, That's right? so good. Yeah. So the great last day of Sukkot feels a lot like Pentecost. Much of the Bible is written in this chiastic form, if you remember any of your English studies back in school. It's like an object's reflection in a mirror. Is it possible that instead of three pilgrimage events, there's really just one three-part celebration of our exodus or our journey from slavery to marriage? See, we're called the bride of Christ. Jesus is called the bridegroom. And there's literally a marriage supper in heaven when we get there. Mount Sinai was considered to be like a marriage hoopah. You know, a big thing over you when you get married. And it was God's intention to become one 
with the Israelites at Sinai, but they refused. So are the three pilgrimage feasts really a repeating shadow and type of the first exodus from Egypt? And if what will happen at, are you ready for it? The second exodus. That's what they call it when Jesus returns to take us home to heaven and to the new earth. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that it shall no more be said, the Lord lives who brought up the children of Israel from the land of Egypt, but the Lord lives who brought up the children of Israel from the land of the north, from all the lands where he had driven them. Mm. For I will bring them back into their land, which he gave to their fathers. It's Jeremiah 16. And Jeremiah 30, we jump ahead. Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it. It's the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. And I want you to notice, whenever we're talking about Israel, so often it's Jacob. It's Jacob. And he's got trouble, but he's going to be saved out of it. Now, the Bible is full of prophetic scriptures that can only fit into a time like the thousand-year reign, the millennial reign of Christ. And the Talmud speaks a good bit on eternity. Now, obviously, they've got a lot of it wrong. But, of course, the whole purpose of the days of awe is to seal your name in the book of life. So while the first part of the second exodus has already occurred because the creation of the nation of Israel in our modern day and the return of millions of Jews, there awaits another eternal aspect to that second exodus. In the same way that God brought them out of Egypt in the first exodus and then brought them to the promised land, they can be confident that the God who gathered them from the nations will gather them to himself in that final exodus. Now, of course, the obvious stumbling block for them has not changed. The Messiah was, is, and will always be the one who moves on their behalf, but they don't recognize him. Yeshua literally means salvation, that name of Jesus we use in Greek. So not recognizing him means not finding salvation, and he is the key to all of that, including Passover and Pesach. We're going to jump there for just a minute to help you understand the Feast of Tabernacles and look through the eyes of Passover. You know, we just watched The Chosen, and the last scene Mercy. of that, you know, was all about the harvest being yeah. plentiful. You know, Jesus actually finally re releasing, you know, the disciples to actually tell who he was. How excited they got, yeah. Yeah, who he is. <laughs> and Matthew 9.37, I mean, he said to his disciples, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. So I like that you're just training us this morning on how to really go and make disciples. That's yeah. what this is all about. It is all about that.